This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's future award-winning Moranalytics podcast, got recurring guest, my buddy Joe. I'll tell you what, too. We're going to have to come up with a nickname for Joe. He won't let me use his last name. And just saying Joe is pretty lame. He's not a Dell. Joe needs a nickname. But anyway, Joe's with me again today. We're going to talk plenty of Buffalo Bills and NFL. Plenty of Buffalo Sabres talk. Heading into their last 20 games now. Trade deadline just a couple days away. Hopefully, they're going to be pretty active over these next 72 hours or so. We're going to talk about last week's segment and that pretty strong response that we got from a lot of fans following our takes on Buffalo AP sports writer John Worrell. And for the first time, at least us two together, we're doing a Twitter mailbag. Had some interesting questions sent in from fans, ranging from dating, sports, and more, including being asked to put together a WrestleMania card featuring Buffalo sports media members. Fun stuff. That was a fun exercise. Anyway, I'll have that for you in just a minute. Before that, I want to let you know that today's show is being supported by Audimute. For nearly two decades, Audimute has set the standard for providing cutting-edge acoustic treatments for recording and sound environments. From your home studio to commercial settings, such as the office, restaurants, gyms, and auditoriums, Audimute is the best sound treatment company out there. That's because they refuse to compromise on the quality of their products and service ever. Easy, green, affordable. My home studio has Audimute acoustic panels, and the difference is literally been remarkable night and day look don't just throw up foam on your walls decide it looks pretty and call it a day it might look the part but it's not going to improve your sound visit audimute.com for info and deals including a free room analysis form and the ability to speak with an acoustic specialist do your sound do the people who hear it a very big service go visit audimute.com and on that note let's do it if you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what's going on, everyone? How you doing? Welcome. Episode 197, Moranalytics Podcast. Thank you, as always. For continuing to listen and download the show it means a lot to me. I'm going to have Joe on in just a minute. Real quick, though, two quick things, actually, before we get rolling. I want to thank everyone who tuned in to Tuesday's episode. It was the two-year anniversary episode of the podcast, and I had the Bulldog from WGR on. Great numbers, awesome feedback, a really successful episode. One of the best I've had in quite a while. So I want to thank the Bulldog for that, for coming on the show. I knew I was going to have him on for quite a while. I wanted to save him for what I thought was a special occasion. And for me, at least anyway, the two-year anniversary episode definitely was that. So thank him. And also want to send a quick shout out, some love to my daughter who left this week from Buffalo to travel to Texas. 
she joined the Air Force and she's going to boot camp training and her goal is to become a medic, an airman and a and a flight medic for the Air Force. And uh I don't know, man. It's I'm excited for her, obviously very proud of her, but very stressed out at the same time because I never thought I would be a military parent. If I did, I thought it would be my son, not my daughter. But uh she's just a go-getter, man. Very proud of her. So much love to my daughter Madison. Hopefully she won't hear this for a while because she's in boot camp, but at some point she will. So Best of luck to her. Love you, Madison. And on that note, joined for a second straight week now by my buddy Joe, one of the more colorful Buffalo Twitter personalities I know. Buffalo wins on Twitter. You know, I said something, by the way, Joe, because I pre-taped the opening before I talked to you. We need to get you like a broadcast nickname or something. I get it. You don't want your last name used on the podcast. Lots of people are like that. No, But you need a character name or something. No, Only only famous people get to use their first name only. You ain't Adele. You ain't Madonna. You got to have a nickname or something like that. No, no. Just call me Joey P. How about that? Joey P? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Joey P. Okay. That sounds... You had Pucks on. His name was Tone Pucks or whatever the hell his name is. Well, that's two names at least. Tone Pucks. No, no. But but, but before, hey, I, I want to say that Bulldog interview you did was really good. That was a very good interview. I enjoyed it. I listened to it. And congrats to your daughter. I'm, I'm very happy. I know a friend of mine is actually, he was, he went to, in the army to be a medic and like, uh, or like a, not medic. Yeah, I guess he would call it a medic, more nurse, whatever. And he's done very well with that and actually changed his life. And, like, the Army has a lot of good programs in that regards outside of, like, when you think of the Army or Air Force, you think about, like, fighting and shooting bad guys, you know. But they have, you know, things along those lines. So congratulations to her and, you know, to uh, you and to your two-year anniversary show. I appreciate I appreciate that on both counts. Let me say this, too, and I'm prefacing this by saying I legitimately, and I'm not just saying it, I'm not blowing smoke up anyone's ass. I legitimately consider people in the military heroes and role models because it's one thing to be an athlete and you know have the world admire you from afar on television or at a stadium. These people are really legitimately out there protecting your country, in many cases, sacrificing their lives. So I want to preface this. I, I couldn't be more proud in that regards, but I'm also going to be brutally honest. It's been a nightmare of mine for many years now, pretty much since my, the day my son's been born, I've never wanted either of my kids to join the military only selfishly. And I'm saying it selfishly because of just the stress and the anxiety. I mean, my daughter just left hop on a plane to go to Texas to boot camp training. All she's doing is boot camp training. I'm already stressed out. Now I'm sure I'll get used to it, but I'm not sure that anxiety is ever going to go away. It's tough, especially when it's your girl, at least my little baby girl, but that's just who she is. She's crazy. Dude, she's 21 years old. She's already a certified firefighter. I mean, she, this, mm. this is what she does. It, it just, it, it blows my mind. I'm very proud of her again, but yes, yeah, very scared. Congrats to your wife. Cause God knows she didn't get that from you. If, if she's athletic enough to be a fire, to be a fireman and she can also go in the military. She definitely didn't get it from you. Pat. You know that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, no, it's, I get you. Yeah. You're like, you know, she's, she's, you know, she's leaving the nest, but uh, you know, Hey, my one friend, he was in it for a while. He, and he, he's been in for like 15, 14 years and, and he's only been stationed really all, all across the country. That's it. Like he hasn't gone any, you know, anywhere bad or anything like that. You know what I mean? So hopefully that's kind of the case with her, but you know, Hey, you got, you, you now get to, it's, it, that means one, one less mouth to feed for you. You don't have you, the, the, well, the, the, uh, <laughs> the bills are going to go down in the household, you know? Yeah. Well, well she, she's been in <laughs> Buffalo while, while we're in Florida. Cause she was going to school oh, and stuff. Gotcha. Oh, geez, but anyway, I, I, I get the sentiment and you're a hundred percent right. 
So all right, mm-hmm. let's move on. We're going to talk Bills and Sabres like we always do. And then we also have a Twitter mailbag, which we've never done before, at least not me and you together on any of our segments. We invited some people from Twitter to send in some questions and topics, and I'll certainly get to those. Before that, though, I want to talk a little bit about you were on the podcast last Friday as well. And we went in, I would all borderline all in on AP writer John Worrell, who, of course, covers the Bills and Sabres, Buffalo media. We we kind of unloaded on him. And I was very nervous. And we discussed this because I've done this podcast for a long time now, well, two years, and I've never really unloaded on anybody, especially from the Buffalo sports media, in large part, just that's just not what I do, generally speaking. And I said this as well last week. I have a ton of respect for a lot of these men and women. Many of them have been on my podcast and most of them who haven't, I hope to get on at some point to have conversations with them. But I just, John Worrell pissed me off to the point that I didn't care anymore. So anyway, long story short, we both unloaded on him, and I was very concerned about the feedback, what listeners would think. And I don't know if you were surprised. I certainly was, but it was really good. I mean, the feedback was amazing. He had a lot of, a lot of likes, a lot of traction, a lot of responses, a lot of, uh, a lot of mentions on that. And it seems like our opinions that we had on Mr. Worrell last week were, uh, we're not alone on that. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. It's not shocking in terms of that. He's not very popular on Twitter. And, you know, I hope, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he listens. Who knows if he listens to the podcast? I didn't get any message, any 3am messages from him. You know, I don't think he listened to the whole show, but I bet money. He, we put a clip on YouTube that had, I don't know, got over 500 hits that first day, which for this YouTube channel and this podcast is a lot. So I'd be shocked if he didn't hear it. And we had a lot of tweets and people favoring it and liking it and (laughs) sliding in our DMS and all that sort of jazz. I hope, look, I hope he hears that and maybe he takes some of it as constructive criticism of how he is on Twitter. Uh, I also hope he doesn't view this as a, oh, this is good traction. People are talking about it. It's, it's, it's great heat. You know, it's not, it's, it's go away heat to be perfectly honest with you. And, you know, I just hope he just realizes that, you know, I'm, I, I don't like him uh, pers- on a personal standpoint and even a work standpoint. I knew you, you respect his work a little bit more than I do. Um, but I just hope he kind of gets that he's, he's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and it has nothing to do with if he thinks this player is good or that coach is bad or anything like that. It's just his behavior. It's just, it, it, he just looks, it doesn't look good for him. And I hope he understands that and takes, takes, takes it with a great, you know, he takes it and learns from it. I don't think he will. Cause he'll just think that we're just two, two jerks that live in a basement or whatever. And that sort of jazz. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny on, on a professional level. I do have respect for him because he has done it for a long time. I said this as well last week. I don't think he's a bad reporter. I think he's a perfectly fine reporter. I've read a lot of his stuff through the years. So I don't have no problem on a professional level on a personal level. I just don't like him. I just don't like him. And, and I'm, and I'm done being quiet about people that I don't like for the sake of, because at that point I am ass kissing, you know what I'm saying? And if I don't like someone, I'm just, I'm done being quiet about it. And by the way, he ain't learning shit. He's he's making yeah. sarcastic comments. He's already said I blame Pamarant tweets. That's my Twitter handle on multiple yeah, I, occasions. I, I've seen that. And he was even we're taping this on Thursday. He's trolling fans again. There was something about one bill, something about the Bills and Greg Olson signing, and he said blame Bottrell. You know what I mean with the Sabres GM. So he, he's trolling. Out. Half of this shit is an act. It's on purpose. And I just feel like you know what we've talked about this several times. 
You know how important Twitter is in today's world. You cannot be in the sports media in any capacity, a writer, on radio, a podcaster, on TV, whatever, and not utilize social media effectively. You need to. He's one of the maybe the 2% that if I was his boss, I'd be like, do your writing and shut the fuck up. Don't tweet. Don't tweet because you're only making it worse. You're not helping your brand. You're hurting it. In his case, he's one of those very few. Write your reports because you're perfectly fine at it and just shut up after that. No one wants to hear you. Yeah, I find it interesting. One thing I've been noticing because like he went, him and Nate Gary had a, a fight a few days ago uh, on Twitter. Yep. All of his fights with media people have been with younger people. If you've noticed, especially if you want to just look at the, the, the GR dynamic, which, you know, he's he's yelling about how they are with the tank and all that sort of stuff. He's never called out or added, you know, he went, you know, added mention, whatever, Mike Shope or Howard Simon, both two guys who were for the tank. And instead he goes after, you know, Nate Geary or Jeremy White or, you know, not Brady Wilson, Joe DiBiase. Like, yeah, he goes after the and I've I've known for a fact through other channels that he's gone after people who run bill's websites like not not as not sb nation but like the other ones we could, we'll just leave it at that where he's gone after them via dm like he and i'm not trying to sit there and say like okay like he's not he's always the one instigating it like a few times they'll come at him but he always he always seems to fight off the younger guard it seems like way more than go after like shope or howard simon who have been there Honestly, as long as he's been in, in the market i think warrow's been in the in the buffalo market since i think the late 90s and that's when Simon and Shope have been around, but he doesn't go after them. He always goes after the young, the younger people because they fight if, back because they talk back. Yeah. They give him what he wants. Whereas a lot of the older people, some of them, they mean you have talked to privately that I'm obviously not going to say anything on this podcast. Their attitude is just tolerate him, you know, and whatever, let him Move do his on. work and go about, yeah. go about his, go about his way. But uh, yeah, the younger guys like Nate and Joe and them, they're going to go back at him. I'm certainly not a younger guy, but, but you know, I, I go back at him. And, uh, well, you're younger in terms of like, look, you were, you said last week you were in press rooms with him before when you did the magazine stuff and you were younger than you were in your twenties, right? I yeah. Mean, that yeah. And the mid, yeah. Going so all he, the way back to the mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a dick to you then, you know, in terms of that, I he, think maybe that is what's that. What's the one thing we always say? Like, at least I say, I always have said that print people have always been a little bit on that. Like they get scared about the new guard, about online writing about like younger people. And I feel that's kind of in a way with Waro a little bit. Like he sees these younger people, they're blogging for websites. They're, you know, taking his content sometimes and then they regurgitate it, which I'm sure offends him and he hates it and whatever we can, that's another can of worms we can talk about. But I think he looks at them and goes, who are these people? Like these younger guys, get them out of here. And I think that it, there is a bit of that. And yes, they do fight back. Whereas, you know, Simon or show probably wouldn't, but he, there's no, there's no evidence of him adding them like on Twitter. I, I've seen him at Jeremy White a bunch of times. I've seen him at the other guys. He doesn't at the the older guys, which is I don't know. I I think there's more. I think you're right. Like they they are the ones that will fight back. But I I bet if he did at Howard Simon and said like talk was talking shit to him, Howard probably would have tweet would tweet back to him probably. Yeah, you know what I mean, I, but, I think there's probably an ultimate or a a little bit of least respect. Even if he doesn't uh, agree or even like some of those people, I think he might have a measure of respect for them. Whereas people like myself or the younger radio people. I just flat out think he doesn't respect him. And by the way, when you were talking about the mid nineties with me, he wasn't a dick necessarily to me personally. He probably didn't even know who the hell I was. And maybe until recently he's, he still didn't. He was kind of a dick to everybody. It was just very surly dude. Let me ask you one more thing. And then I want to get into these topics. 
you mentioned something that kind of just resonated with me. It seems to me that the print writers, generally speaking, with exceptions, of course, are the ones that are more surly than other people. Do you think maybe that's because maybe by trade, writers are a little more introverted as opposed to, say, TV, radio people who are a lot more outgoing? Generally speaking, again, there are exceptions, but I've kind of encountered that. It seems like a lot of sports writers who are writers first, they're the ones who are a little more pricky, not, not, not necessarily an asshole like I think John Worrow is, but a little more surly anyway. Sure. No, without question. I, and I think a lot of it has to do with up until 2011, 2012, when Twitter really took off, the only time you ever really got to talk to a writer, like at the Buffalo News or whatever, was what, via email? Or before that, you would just see them on the streets. Whereas with TV, and, and when I see Steam on the streets, you probably didn't even know who that person was. Because, right. You know, they just have the photo in their in the top of the, their article, which a lot of times the, the photo would be like 10 years old. I mean, for case in point, Warhol's Twitter avatar is him like from like 10 years ago, I think, because he's got dark hair. And I know he's got gray in his hair right now from seeing him like doing post scrums, but I digress. But I think for the most part, you you could be incognito. You could be... Bucky Gleason circa 2003 and walk, you know, into a grocery store and no one's going to recognize you. Whereas if you're Mike Shope in 2003, they may recognize you. And you, even if they don't recognize you, Shope or talk radio host, they get, they field calls. They talk to a lot of people. So they're used to people arguing with them. TV, same thing. Like Adam Bedini walks into freaking Wegmans. People probably recognize him and he talks to them and maybe they tell him, how they feel, you know, about his commentary or the bills or whatever the case. I think, as you said, yes, they're more introverted with their thoughts, but I think it's more or less for years, they didn't get criticism as much as they do now, especially on Twitter. That's why I think a lot of the print guys on Twitter, I could, I don't think they're, they're very, they're very good with it sometimes, you know, in terms of like interacting with people. Like we've talked about this, like Vic Carucci, you know, case in point, he doesn't tweet anything really. He's just on there. He tweets and he's out. You know, there's, there's no, it's not like, you know, and some people are better. And when I say better, let me just quote this like air, ta- you know, air quotes, like Harrington, Harrington will at least interact with everyone. Yes. He can come off as abrasive, but he's on there all the time talking sure. to people, whether you agree with him, Vic, he's out. He's like on there and he's like, yep. Oh, here's the article. Here's a quote piece. I'm out. You know? And I think a lot of them do that, you know, in terms of that. And I think it's a mistake. And I think part of it is because they were, they went to school where, their interactions with fans, with anyone, with well not fans, yeah, fans, readers, it was what? You got an email, maybe, a few emails. You got a letter to the editor. You know, it was never like this, like, instant, you know, feedback. Whereas it, for you know, talk, talk radio, they've always had feedback. They, they handle horrible calls. We laugh about that crap all the time. You know, so, you know, they go on Twitter. It's a day in the park, you know, for a talk show host to be like, oh, yeah, this guy thinks I suck. Okay, yeah, I've been hearing this. For 20 years, whereas, you know, if someone, you know, John Waro gets on there, I, I didn't know, you know, part of it is like him. I don't know if he got ever got feedback prior to him getting on Twitter for for being an AP writer. I have no freaking idea. You know, yeah. he wasn't on TV. You know, I didn't, you know, or any of that sort of stuff. But yeah, I do feel that there is definitely a bit of a change, a different dynamic with that. You know, it's gotten a little bit better, but definitely, but definitely in like the mid 2000s, like the mid, like, you know, maybe five, six years ago. It was night and day between like the way people on from the print side acted in social media than the TV the TV and radio side did then. Well, I'll tell you what. To me, there's like three different levels of social media interaction. 
And I didn't expect this conversation to go this way, but I'm actually enjoying it. So we're going to keep going for a few more minutes here. To me, there's three types. There's number one, the, the, the engager, whether you love them or hate them. And I'm talking about people like Tim Graham, people like Mike Harrington, people like, say, Jeremy White from WGR. Whether regardless of how you feel about them, you feel like you can have a conversation with them. Do you know what I'm saying? I like that. Sure. Then you talked about the guys like, say, Vic Carucci. I kind of put that in the middle as they're mailing it in. They're tweeting because they know they need to. I don't know if they're being necessarily told you got to tweet this out, you know, when they have a story or stuff like that. I don't know the the intricate details of that, but I do know that they don't really want to be on Twitter. They go on there, they put out their news, the link to whatever article is that they're breaking some news and that's all they do. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I can live with that. I'm fine with that. In some cases, depending on who the person is and their personality, that's good. Somebody like Vic, I don't really, I don't see Vic. I don't know Vic. So I don't want to judge someone I don't know, but he doesn't seem like somebody who wants to have that kind of conversation with you. He just wants to say what he's got to say. Now, conversely, there's probably some other media people out there. I wish they would be a little more active on social media because I think they'd be good at it. And then last but not least, there again, people like John Worrell, who just, I don't think they should tweet. I think he actually hurts himself by tweeting. Just do your job. I referenced that tweet um, about Botro, and I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now. So earlier on Thursday, Twosville Drive, Tweeted out, Buffalo Bills don't land Greg Olson, who signs with the Seahawks. Now what? What a question mark. And Worrell's quote tweet is, blame Bottrell. You know, to me, that's intentional. Who is that funny? Are you being a comedian? Who's going to laugh at that? Where's the irony in it? I, I just don't get it. Somebody like him is just acting like a, a freaking idiot. And he's I don't know if he's doing it for attention or if he's just got that horrible of a personality. Maybe he's just a horrible person. I mean, I don't want to go that far because I don't know him. Maybe that's just how he is. In everyday life, too. And if it is, goddamn, I feel sorry for the people closest to him, man. That's terrible. Well, two, well, two things from what, what you just said. One, with your the type of Twitter media people are and like your three phases of it. My thing is this. The two things I don't want you to do. Actually, three things I don't want you to do in the media. One, constantly retweet compliments. Like, don't do that. I, like, do one every couple of days. Agreed. I need to see you doing it. 50 times. Like we get it. You're awesome. Agreed. Two, when you quote tweet someone and you're just completely insulting them all the time. Tim Graham used to be notorious for doing that. I couldn't stand it. And then he has stopped. I I don't know why he stopped, but he used to be, he used to be as bad as he used to be as bad as Waro, to be honest with you, him and Sal Mariano were always like quote tweeting people who insulted them. And then they would insult them back. And it got old after a while. Like you do it once in a blue moon, but if you're doing it like six, seven times a day, I, it's just like, okay, dude, like we get it. Like, let me ask you a quick question. I don't want to, I don't want you to lose your thought, but let me ask you, let me throw this in there as a quick question too. Do you feel like there's a difference between insulting someone and being condescending? I would straight up rather you insult me than just be condescending when you're being condescending to me is just blowing someone off. Like you're an idiot. Whereas an insult necessarily isn't that to me. Maybe I'm wrong though. That's just me. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It depends. Like I, it, it, because everyone gets different retractions of that. Like you get the guy who says like, Hey, you, you suck at your job. And then they'll quote tweet them. Or if they disagree with them and then they come off, and then you quote tweet them and then you come off as kind of very flippant. Like the first part, just ignore, like there's no point, point to it. The second part, you don't have to, you can just say on the contrary, like you could be a little bit behavior. There are different degrees of that. I don't know if that's what you're asking with me for, but there's different degrees. Like if you're, if you're insulting someone and you're like, you're, you're terrible at your job F you, you know, that's different than disagreeing with you. You know, if you're disagreeing with that person, you can, you can have a little bit of a, of a discussion and not come off as an asshole, you know, whereas if you're getting insulted, there's no, all you do is you go back and forth. And, you know, 
I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a saint. Like, if I disagree with someone about sports, I'm usually pretty cool about it. If you come into my feed, though, and you love Donald Trump, you're dead. Like, to me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you're, I'm like the, you you're like Paul Hamilton on GR when it comes yeah, to blocking like, Sabres fans. Well, I when it comes you. To, I'll, you'll mute, I'll mute you. I, I mute you. <laughs> by, by the way, I, and usually I will say, go fuck yourself, shit stain. Sorry, we swore <laughs> a lot, but I don't care. Um, so, yeah. So, those are, like, the things I would say on Twitter not to do. And then the other thing you were mentioning, which I've kind of forgot, what was your last point on the end of the thing before I, I well, I was just, was a, to me, I, 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 I have a difference between insulting and being condescending. Insulting to me is saying you suck. Like if I told John Worrell, he sucks, that's an insult. If, if I'm making fun of him and I'm insinuating that he's a stupid person for saying mm -hmm. whatever he said to me, that's just being talking to someone condescendingly. Maybe I'm wrong, but to me, that's just my own personal opinion. I feel like there's a difference. Oh. Yeah, and, and Worrell's condescending. That's why I'm asking that to begin with, because I think he's a very condescending person, and that's what annoys me the most. Yeah, no, he is. I mean, I didn't his bottle tweet that with the two bills drive. I didn't. It didn't really bug me. Like he's he's making a stupid joke. I do think right now he's, and I I think he's in that the camp of he. I don't know. I think I think he's trying to kiss Botterill's ass and the Sabers' asses right no now. No doubt. With like like trying to get some inf inside info, some sources from them to call him. That's why he's been very like, uh, how can people just criticize Jason Botterill or Pergolism? It's like, dude, this is year three of Botterill. I'm not asking for the Sabres to be like this, the, the, in the final four right now, but my God, just be in the damn hunt, you know, for the eighth playoffs, you know, see, they haven't even come close to that. So I don't think it's, it's that incredulous for him to be like, how can you be critical of Botterill and the Pergolism? It's like, dude, it's a, it's a disaster there right now. So yeah, you know, Twitter is an interesting it's interesting place when it comes to like how the media uses it. Like I said, it's it's. I think some people have really furthered their brands. I think someone some have tarnished it a bit. Um, it, it's tough. Like it is. I do not. I do not want to be in their positions at times. You know, it, it is like I get I get salty if someone comes in to criticize me a bit, and I don't get that much. You know, I'm just I got my five thousand followers or whatever, but now I, I don't write anymore, so it's not like sure. I can get as much crap as i used to and i tough. was always yeah and i was always diplomatic but i can understand like them getting through a lot but sometimes they ask for it you know they do like you know harrington harrington like does give like a little bit of the middle finger to people on twitter like come at me so does Waro. i mean he's yelling about the tank every day and he's going to yell about you know people coming at him it's like well don't yell about the tank every day and you won't get people to come at you you know in regards to this so it's it's, it's, it's you're you're kind of instigating it by getting people to come at you and that's and you and can you get what you ask for? Like there's some things I I don't want to tweet about in the past that I don't want to have people coming into my mentions and killing me. And I I'll keep them to myself. I'll tell you off air that I'm not going to say this about this certain person or that certain story. You know, and I you know Tyrod Tyrod Taylor was the one guy I hated talking about. I don't like talking about Tyrod anymore because anytime I would mention him in comparison to Josh Allen, my feed would get eviscerated, and I'd be like, what the hell just happened? And like I was just like, okay, I'm just not going to talk about this anymore. You know. So that's that. Uh, I got a frog in my mouth. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we're going to circle back at the end of our segment to a little more sports media talk. Cause during the Twitter mailbag, we got a pretty fun question that we'll, uh, oh, you know, we'll do a little exercise. Thing, the thing is, and I'll just say this about, about Waro thing. Like it's, it, I, I feel it's bittersweet for me to talk about him because as I said, I think he loves this. Like he loves people talking about him and I don't, I don't want to give him time of day to discuss it. But, like, you know, part of this podcast, when I come on, we talk about the media, we talk about sports, we shoot the shit, you know, and it's like, I think, I think it's something that does need to be said. Like, you kind of said it, like, he's a jerk, and that's why you wanted to say it. 
So, you know, I, I just, I always just hate, like, I have remorse like, after we talk about him. And it's not because I feel bad. Like, I think he's a, we all said that, but it's like, I, I hope, like I said, he doesn't think that this is good for his brand. It's not. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this much. When you just said have remorse, if I have any remorse, it, it's not about what I say about him specifically. It's just that you and I often have very unbiased, uh, we have very objective sports media conversations where we're not playing favorites with anybody. We kind of call it like we think it is anyway. And that's a part of our podcast. It's not just Bills and Sabres talk. We talk a lot of sports media and I just don't want to develop a reputation for somebody that goes after people in the media like this. I just personally don't like him. If I, I'll give him credit for one thing though. I genuinely think that John world could not give a shit less about what I think or say about him or what you think or say about him. I'll give him that much. It's, I don't think he's no, sitting at home. Bu- I think he cares, but he's, I don't think he's going to say it on Twitter. Like he's going to, he's going to no sell it. He's going to, he's just going to be like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like he'll, he'll no sell it. <laughs> but I, I think he cares. Dude, he's one time. I remember once I'll tell you this story. The, it was before a press conference and he was fighting with people on Twitter and he was yelling at them. But, and one of his tweets was, I don't care what you think. I have better things to do. Like, and then before this press conference, the bills were, uh, were streaming it, I think on their website. And it was sometimes when you get to a stream before a press conference starts, you can hear reporters just chatting amongst themselves. Sure. And right when he said, like, I don't care what people, he tweeted, I don't care what people on Twitter have to say. I'm fine with you people yelling at me. I hear him on the Bills press conference going, these losers on Twitter, get a life. Like, you know, and he, you can obviously tell he's angry about these people criticizing him. So I think he no sells it. Like, oh, it's just, it's just, it's just dirt off his shoulders on Twitter at times. But I think he cares. I mean, he's adding Nate Gary freaking 15 times. And like, I'm not trying to look, Nate Gary's above us. Fine. Like he's, but at the end of the day, Nate Gary's like a part-time, a part-time radio guy. You know what I mean? I'm trying to disparage that, but he's not like he doesn't have his own show. He's, no, he's on his guy. way. He's doing. He's paying his dues right now. He's on his way yeah, up. He's paying yeah. his dues. Yeah. And Waro is is that wrapped up about someone who's part time on WGR and he's pissed off about him. So, and I, I'm not trying to besmirch Nate Geary's resume, but like you know, I think he does care. But like, I think he'll he cares enough to the point to where with us, I think he no sells it because we're just we're below that. You know, we're like the he probably thinks of us as just a bunch of you know, independent podcasters in a mom's basement. In mom's or basement. Whatever. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I'm I'm good with that anyway. All right, let's get to yeah, some. Eat it. Let's get Go to ahead. some non-John World portion of this podcast. It looks like the NFL. I mean, it's not official as we tape this on Thursday, but it might soon be that the NFL is going to add a playoff team to each conference as soon as this coming season. So that would make seven teams making the playoffs now, and only the top seed in each conference would get a bye going into the playoffs. One quick nugget too, by the way, for people out there wondering, during that 17-year drought that the Buffalo Bills had without being in the playoffs, had this system been in place, they still would have had a 17-year drought because never once in that whole time were the Bills one of the top seven teams. So they still would have had their drought. But anyway, I just want to ask you your take on that. What's your thoughts on, very? not only want to say potentially, because now it looks very likely it's going to happen, that they're going to add a playoff team to each conference. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, and they're going to 17 games, too. That's I don't know if you I, you may have mentioned that, but my apologies. Well, I, I haven't yet. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll, oh, let's sorry. kind of leave that separate. But that's not But that's not going to happen this year. That might happen ah. down the road a little bit. But as soon as this coming season right now, we're likely going to see seven teams from the AFC and seven teams from the NFC. So what's your thoughts sure. on that first? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's great. Look, it's not half the league. 
it's 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 what 14 teams and you know two of the four major sports have it to where half the league makes the playoffs so i'm i'm totally into it i think it also makes the number 1 seed way more important to get to because hey you get that break you know get that bye week right um there the only concern is you do you know you water it down a little bit cuz now you're going to get you know what we're going to get you're going to get that 7 and 9 8 and 8 team that's going to make the playoffs and it's going to be like why is this team in the playoffs why like last year it would have been the Steelers in the AFC and the Steelers were 8 and 8 and what we're seeing duck freaking Hodges throwing footballs you know it's just like eh like that's that's kind of lame. I would say if I could tweak it, it would be for that. Fi- it would, I would try to, it's probably going to be impossible to do, but I would make it to where you do like your, your six random people, teams for each conference or whatever, like you normally do it. And then the seventh team in, you know, each conference, I would have it to where it's intertwined. So the, the next best records in each conference get in no, no matter what. So you could have, two NFC teams as like that seven seed or two AFC teams as that, as that seven seed. Like I would do that, you know, just make it more. So you're not, you're not, okay. The AFC had a down year. So, Hey, seven and nine gets you in, but the NFC, which this past year was really good. The NFC, we get, we get the Rams and then we get whoever the other team in the, in that division who I think, I think it would have been Dallas. I forgot who it was, but last year, the Rams, it would have been the Rams and the Steelers would have been in if they were, if this was going on last year. Yeah, but I'm saying the Rams were would have got in, but the, the team next to the Rams that had the next best record, I think was a really good team, right? Who was I don't, if, if if it's in front of you, who was who who if if you can look it up, who were the teams in the a- NFC? Because I know again the NFC was really great last year. So who was who was the, the Rams were the seventh seed? Who was the eighth seed in, in in that in that conference? Um, looking it up right now, I I'm looking at the teams that didn't make the playoffs. The Rams were nine and seven, and they did not get in. Sure. I, I think Dallas was the next. They were they were the eighth seed and they were eight and eight. Yeah, and then and then the okay. Well, hmm. I would say like and Chicago too. Night. Chicago was also eight and eight. I don't know who would have got in if they would have had it going. Yeah, both so ways. let's just let's just say for shits and giggles' sake, like the Steelers finished seven and nine. I would put in the Rams and Dallas in the playoffs and just put Dallas in the AFC as like the seventh seed. You see what I'm saying? Uh, like I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be just a bunch like. If it's a down year in the conference and the other conference is a lot better, it's like the NBA. Like the Eastern Conference is always shitty, but the Western Conference is great. Like the Western Conference ninth seed in the NBA should get in, you know, into into the East Conference. You see what I mean? Like, yeah. do something like that. So it's I, not I, I see what you're saying. It, it, but, I, let, but te- I, I get what you're saying. Potentially, there could be a nine and seven team in the NFC that doesn't get in, and then an eight and eight seed or an eight and eight team in the AFC does. However, I just don't see them ever crossing conferences like that. As sure. a whole, I mean, as I a whole, it, but, yeah. as a whole, I really like the the change a lot. I like the fact that any regular season game that could be meaningful at the end of the season to me is a win. And yeah, sure, an eight and eight team being a wild card that's not necessarily ideal. But what that might that may make a handful of games in week seventeen matter that would not sure. have meant anything. Otherwise, I really don't see, and it's still seven out of 16 in each conference. It's not like, that's not, not even quite half of it. I'd be all right with that. Anything more, I wouldn't be happy. And I agree 100% with what you said. I think that's a great point. You're really rewarding now being the top seed in the conference. You're the only team yeah. that's going to get a bye. So that matters a lot too. I can't see any other con besides, like I said, maybe uh, less uh, a shitty team 
gets in as that seventh seed that's only eight and eight. But right, and that's why that's why they should do my idea. I, I'm not like, saying it's it. a bad and idea. I just don't I think know, it'll ever right, happen. You're right, but they should. You're right. They probably won't. But I would do it. And then after that first week, maybe I don't know, put the other team back in the NFC in, in, in the regular conference. Maybe I don't know. I would just do it. I would do it that way because I think if you have playoffs, you want the teams to be good. And the NFL is every year. I mean, we go through it almost every other year where, oh, here's that eight and eight, nine and seven team that shouldn't have made it. And then the other conference is the here's that here's this other team that didn't make it. And I think that's what they're trying to do. You know, especially like, oh, hey, we're going to have the Rams in next year. And it depends. You know, sometimes like the Steelers were not at all a sexy 8-8 eight eight team. Like, they were boring. Who the hell wants to see Duck Hodges? But let's just say the Chargers were 8-8, eight eight, which they weren't. Uh, that would be like, a, oh, oh, this is interesting because they got Phillip Rivers, you know, and that's at that time. So it always it depends on, like, the sex appeal of that 8-8 eight eight team. Well, I mean, it's just some things are unpreventable. Like, for an example, sure. we've seen it. This year in the NFC East, that was a weak division. There's good, or a couple of years ago, a handful of years ago, see, I think Seattle won the their division with like what an, mm-hmm. an eight and eight record, maybe even might have been seven and nine. I can't remember. So I would say this during that Bills drought. I look, like I said, I looked up the stat that they hadn't made the playoffs. They still wouldn't have made the playoffs during that entire drought. What I should have looked up is how many times during that seventeen years would the Bills have been in it going into Week Seventeen, where it was a meaningless game where maybe mm-hmm. if they had a chance, and I don't know this information, even say the last two weeks, I think the goal is to have more teams involved in a playoff hunt at the end of the season. I think that creates more interest. And plus, it's two extra playoff games. I mean, let's face it, it's more money, sure. more money there too. You know what I'm saying? Two more games from the NFL, three Saturday games, three Sunday games for Wild Card off, Weekend. Off the top of my head, because I'm very good when it comes to historical stuff, it would have been 2002 because the Bills were eight and eight and the, the team that won the division the next the team that won the division in the AFC East that year were nine and seven. So it definitely I think it would have it would have came down a little bit to that. Oh four definitely would have because it came down to do it regularly. And I think probably the, the finale would have had playoff implications implications implications, excuse me. <laughs> and twenty uh and twenty fourteen, the Doug Barone's nine and seven year. I think that would have probably they they would have been playoff ramifications week seventeen against New England, you know that that season. That's off the top of my head. I think those three seasons there would have been, they would have been in it because they they were always like they were never like close to nine. They were always like seven and nine, man, and that that was it. So maybe yeah. they had a seven and nine year. But the a, the AFC, I'm trying to remember when it was really bad, like it, like in terms of different years during the drought. And I can't. The only time I recall it was uh, I remember one year one year Denver. Uh, or San Diego won the division one year when they were nine and seven, but that was the division. That's that's when they won. But there was never a a crappy wild card team I can think of that just barely got in. You know what I mean? So what whatever. about it would, it, what about ahead. the seventeen game schedule? What's your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously that means I don't know what it means. It's not going to happen this year. It might happen in a year or two. That's still to be determined. But what do you think about a seventeen game regular season? The thought is they'll play seventeen regular season games. I think they're going to have an extra pie and there would only be three preseason games instead of four. Do you like it or do you not? I'm, I'm kind of conflicted on this. The playoff thing I'm all in for. I'm, I'm all about that. The 17 games, not sure how I feel about that. I'm, uh, I'm probably a little bit more. It depends what they do with the 17 games. Like in my perfect world, I've talked about this before or tweeted about this. I would do like an interconference, another interconference game or not interconference, cross-conference, excuse me, or whatever the hell you want to call it, where you get rivals 
that are close proximity to them geographically. Like, I don't know why the Giants and Jets don't play every year. They should play every year. I mean, it's a battle of New York. Right. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do that every year. Do the Bills versus the Lions. Like, it's a five-hour drive to go there if you go through Canada. But what do you do 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 on that fourth year, though? I agree with you. I like the concept. But sometimes they do play every four years. They play each other. Oh, then you just play twice. Then you just play twice and alternate it. Okay. So, like, if if you're supposed to get the home game. Yeah. Like, if, if, if. if the fourth year division thing is like, you know, they just split the, they split the division that year or whoever, like if Dallas plays Houston twice, then, then one gets a home team, one gets an away team. That's how I would do it. What I think they're going to do is they're going to have those 17 games, just all neutral site games. Yep. And it's going to be the, uh, what the hell is it going to be? Someone, someone made the tweeted this before and I forgot what the idea was, but I think it was like, the second place. Oh, you know what? It, it's like the second place. You would just play another AFC team, like, like the sec. I forgot what them what, what they're what they were gonna do. But basically, they were they were just having. Hey, we're gonna have the the you're gonna you're gonna play a com- another team in the other conference that that was the second place. So if you were second in second place in the AFC East, you would play the second place team in the NFC East or something like that. Maybe I guess like that's what they. I saw someone kind of mention that. And I, that kind of made sense, but I definitely think, I definitely think it's going to be a neutral site game. That's what I think they're all going to be. Like they're going to be in Mexico, Canada, you know, they're going to be in the London. UK. Yeah. London, London for sure. Yeah, they, yeah. Like they're definitely, maybe they'll go to Italy. I don't know. They've got soccer stadiums over there so they can go play them over there. Uh, I wouldn't mind if they did like the interstate, my interstate idea. And maybe they make that into like, we put them like we play, we have the giants and jets play in Mexico city. You know, it, it would eliminate a little bit of what I want, which is that like, oh, you're going to have half the crowd be for the Giants and half the crowd for the Jets, you know, with the close proximity thing. But uh, I think that's what they're going to end up doing is it's definitely going to be, I think, remote locations because, you know, the NFL, they don't want to give, you know, they, I don't think they want to give a team an extra home game and have a, a home team play nine home games and, and, and someone else has to play, you know, eight. So they're just going to do all neutral sites. That's what I think they're going to do. Well, I. Uh- I mean, the, the pro of it is a football fan. It's an extra week of football to watch on a regular season as opposed to a preseason game, which nobody gives a shit about. Even when you have a podcast sure. or a blog, you don't even, you're watching it or because you have to, and that's the only reason why. So that's the upside. The two downsides is I'm pretty strongly against X, all these neutral site games. So if each team plays an extra game, now you're talking that 16 extra games on the schedule, that's going to be 16 neutral sites. That means, and none of them are going to be in the United States. They're all going to be somewhere out of the country, I'm pretty sure. So you're going to get a ton of games in Mexico, London, Canada, like you said. I really don't like that. I don't want to get up and watch football every week of the season at, I don't know, 9 in the morning. I think that's what the London games are at 9 or something like that. In some cases, the time difference isn't a factor, oh, you, but you, it is overseas. Just it's not football to me, man. Is great. I that's don't great. like it. I don't like it. And again, uh, I got nothing against these other countries. But we don't need to be having three, four games in Mexico a season. I'm sorry. We we just don't. And then here's the other problem, too. The players are going to bitch about it to no end. Forget about it on Twitter, Facebook, stuff like that, interviews. Players don't want it. So I, I know they might not. Well, they're going to they're gonna want more. They're going to they're gonna want more money. A bigger, they're going to want gonna a bigger get, slice of the pie. Yeah, and that's the right. And they should get more money. And you know, then you have to worry about the, the you know, the, conco- the, the concussion stuff. And again, that's we've talked about this before. Like the NFL wants to stop with like, you know, they, they're very, they're serious. You know, they act like they're serious about CTE, but then they have, let's have an extra game. Let's have the Thursday night games. 
And that's kind of like, well, you're kind of, you want it both ways. And it doesn't work that way. So I think you'll get a little bit of that fallout with the 17 game schedule. Um, I'm cool with having a buy, like a, a second buy they should have. I mean, that gives, that would give you 18 weeks yeah, of, that's of watching happen. football. Yeah. yeah. And they, they did that once. They did that, I think in 93, they had, they, 1993, they had two buys during the regular season. I, I don't know why they got away from that. Well, it would give you 19 weeks of watching football because there'd be two buys in 17 games. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, it's it w- we'll see what happens. I if you want me, like I said, I think my idea with the with the close proximity interconference thing works. I think that would create a lot. That's what happened. Remember when interleague play first started? You know, in like what was it like ninety five? I mean, it, there was a big buzz of like, oh wow, we get the Mets versus the Yankees during the regular season, and I think that would create that with like you know the, the battle of L A. You would get the Florida teams going against each other. You get Houston versus Dallas, the giant teams going against each other. I think that would be fun. I would totally, I would, you could totally market that. And I think that would excite fans, you know, to know, you know, and you could, you could maybe switch it up a little bit. Like maybe you switch it up and go, okay, hey, we're going to have the bills versus Steelers this year or something like that, or Cleveland or anything along those lines. Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, obviously we'll have to see. How that plays out. That's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to go to 17 games. Oh, it certainly looks that way, but the playoff expansion looks like that's going to be a lock. I don't, well, I'll tell you what, and we'll talk another time about some stuff going on inside the Bills. It's not really nothing going on right now. Greg Olson signed with Seattle. That's already old news. And uh, there's not really a lot to talk about. So we'll, we'll hit yeah, on yeah, them. Yeah, and I'll, yeah, there's plenty on. of time. Exactly. Let's move on. I do want to talk Sabres for a couple minutes there. By the way, we're taping this on Thursday for a Friday show. On this day, seven years ago, I looked this up today, Sabres hired Ron Ralston to replace the fired Lindy Ruff. Oh it's been God. all downhill from there. I didn't, You didn't realize it maybe at the time. Maybe there's a lot of hope. All right, well, Lindy Ruff's old and his message. I remember hearing this over and over and over. His message got stale in the locker room and people weren't tuning in anymore. Well, guess what? Since he left, <laughs> it's been freaking ugly. Ugly. And it's not getting any better, man. It's really not. It's funny you say that because I remember when that whole thing went down. The biggest, the, the thing that always worked for Lindy Ruff with the public perception and media perception, at least in some pockets, was that he was this in-demand head coach that he, if he left, he was going to go somewhere else and do like immaculate, amazing things, right? And what's he done since he left? He went to Dallas for three years. They made the playoffs once. He got fired, and now he's... He's an assistant with the Rangers. Like it hasn't, it hasn't been great for the Sabers at all. Obviously, as you said, but it hasn't been great for Lindy as well. He did, he didn't go and win like a Stanley Cup somewhere else or anything like that. Right. Well, I blame the roster management more over these last what is sure. going to be nine years on the job more than the actual head coaching. With the exception of Phil Housley, I just didn't think he was ready to be a head coach, and I think he was just a bad hire for that reason alone. Which, by the way, that was Jason Bottrell's call there. This has been, I mean, it's been a bad season. For the Sabres and for Bottrell. We talked about him a little bit earlier. This in particular was a pretty embarrassing week. Zach Bogosian last week got waived. Finally, he clears Finally. waivers and he doesn't report to Rochester. He gets suspended. Good news. Sabres saved, I don't know, a million or something against the cap. Bad news for Jason Bottrell is fans very rightfully are saying, well, why the hell didn't you do this six months ago, man? You've had eight defensemen for God knows how long. He requested a trade months ago. He still played it sparingly. Why didn't you make this move quite a while ago? That's only half of it, dude. The other half, which looks really bad for the Sabres. Oh, this is a, not quite on the surface. It's worse than maybe than what it really is. But Marco Scandella, the Sabres traded him to Montreal and they got a fourth round pick and they used that to acquire uh, Michael Froelich. 
And then just as a couple days ago, the Canadians flipped Scandella to the St. Louis Blues and they got a second rounder. So we can only get a fourth rounder for this guy, but yet he got flipped for a second rounder just now. Again, there's a little more layers to it, maybe than the surface shows. But anyway, you look at it, man, it's just, these are more bad moves for Bottrell and it's just not looking good for this dude at all. Yeah, I mean, the the, the Scandella thing, I'll, I'll put an asterisk next to that because for one, the Blues were very desperate because the one guy, Bowenmeister, almost died on the freaking bench and he was a defenseman. So right. they, they had to find someone desperately. So they may have given up more because of that, because of their dire straits. Uh, but I digress in regards to that. But I don't know why he didn't do it earlier. I feel like he misjudged the whole market coming into the season with having nine defensemen that are NHL ready or could play in the NHL. He, for what, he just thought like all these teams are going to be calling him to be like, oh, hey, we like we like your defensemen. Like, give us one of them. And the thing is, with like some of those defensemen, like Bogosian, no one's going to pick. No one wants to trade for a guy who's making six million dollars a year when he does. He when he hasn't been worth a damn for the last like three or four years. I mean, he hasn't been worth anything since he got here. He was either hurt or he played badly. And when you have a lot of defensemen or a, a, a position like that, sometimes it hurts your negotiating skills because the other GM knows that yeah, you have a lot of defensemen, but you're not, you, you're not gonna like, I can, I can lowball you because you're not desperate to get rid of them. Cause you have depth. It's a little bit like, like when the bills traded Marshawn Lynch, like they only got a fourth rounder. Maybe they could have got more because you know, they did, they got less because they had Fred Jackson, they, they had Fred Jackson and they had CJ Spiller, which made him expendable. And maybe teams know like, okay, yeah, you have to get rid of this guy because you have two other running backs. So I'm going to lowball you when it comes to making a deal. This is like with the Scandella point. So maybe, they they felt the same way, like oh yeah, you have all this depth. So what are you in a desperate desperate mode to like get rid of someone? So that that it just he oh, he just totally thought people were gonna be asking for these defensemen. They weren't, and now he's against he was against cap right now, which I still can't believe. I that the Sabers this is year three of this regime are still against the cap with a lot of dead weight on their team, and it's harder for him to make moves because they're against the cap. And no one wanted Bogosian for five, five and a half million or whatever he was making. And you could have waived him earlier and you would have got rid of that salary. So I, I don't know what the hell he's doing. He, he acted, he basically felt, it felt like he acted like all these teams were going to be calling him because, because there was going to be a virus of, of like ankle injuries, like Jay McKee, where all these defensemen are going to go down in flames and needed help. Well, two more things. Then I want to get to the Twitter mailbag. So 10 games, I'm sorry, 20 games left and they're 10 points out of a wild card. Translation, they ain't making the playoffs, all right? Trade deadlines Monday. They need to be sellers, or maybe they could be buyers. I don't really don't care. What I don't want to see is them be holders. That's my first point. And here's my second one. I've been thinking about this more and more and more. I think at the end of the season, Jason Bottrell's got to go. And in professional sports in this day and age, if you can't at least make progress towards building a winner in three years, you shouldn't be the general manager of a hockey team. You got a franchise center. You got a franchise defenseman. You got a great rookie in Olafson. There's pieces here, and they are no further, I should say they're no closer right now than to be in any type of contender, even a legitimate playoff contender, than they were three years ago when Bottrell got here. When that's the case, and you're missing out a guy, and I don't want to call him a bust because maybe he turns into a good player, but everything, and we talked about this last week, that I'm seeing, reading, and hearing about Casey Middlestat says that he's barely playing competent at an AHL level right now, let alone coming in to Buffalo and going to be a good pick. You know, he was a top 10 pick. Is he going to be worth that pick? That's a Bottrell pick, man. Hiring Housley, again, three years in now. 
They're no closer to being good than they were three years before. I think he's got to go at the end of the season. I don't even think it should be a debate anymore. Well, you know, in terms of like what you said, like I'll go for the trade deadline. I, I think they're going to make some moves. I, I think they're going to get rid of Larson. I think Gerges is going to get, they're all going to go for like a third and fourth round pick. I think the rentals, if you're an unrestricted free agent, I think you're going to be gone. And I think they're going to be sellers and then they'll probably add someone else. It will be like one of those, we're going to sell more, but we're also going to buy. It will be interesting because, you, you know, look, you're right. Like, I think he should be fired. If he does think he's going to get fired, does he panic and does he make try to make moves to make the roster much better so they go on a little bit of a run and he can say, hey, look at the momentum they got heading into the offseason. Because I'll say this, one of the biggest mistakes Tim Murray made were his last two deadlines when he was the GM, he didn't add anyone. Okay, he, the first year, and I'm talking about, yeah, when he, after the tank and all that sort of stuff, his last two, he didn't add anyone. And I bet you that if he could have that back, he would have totally made moves, you know, because he got fired and that firing kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. I mean, there was some rumors, but like there was definitely not as much pressure on him year four for him than there are than it is right now with Botterill because like you had the two really crappy years that they wanted to be bad or whatever the case may be. And he didn't make a move his last year. And I bet you he probably was like, shit, I wish I made a move to save my job. And maybe we could have gone on a little bit of a run, got some points and, and you know, had a, a run to 10th. You know, and I wonder if if Botterill thinks that, like, hey, I gotta, I have to get better, you know, to save my job because that Ottawa Sabers game from la- from earlier this week, where it was, if you saw the TSN feed, you saw Botterill. They kept showing Botterill, and he was slamming papers. He looked like he was dying up there. It did not look like the the viewpoint of a GM that was like, oh yeah, I can't wait to, you know, I got another year on this job. It looked like someone that was like holy crap, this team sucks right now and I'm going to lose my job, you know, kind of look that he had. I think unless they finish the season very strongly that it's lights out for him in his uh, Sabres career as GM. Anyway, let's finish with our little Twitter mailbag here. Got a handful of questions and I'm going to get right to them. Thad Brown, by the way, Thad, of course, my boy, sports reporter in Rochester has been on this podcast before. Oh, this, he's your boy. This, this, huh? this all, that's my guy, man. I like that. He's, 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 he's a good dude, man. Your, all right. So no, anyway, I don't, I don't mind that. He's a good guy. He's, he's a good cool. dude. Well, here's his question. He says, okay, let's go. Worst online date story. Funniest, worst, not necessarily most depressing, worst. And, or what would you change about how online dating works? Considering you are less than oppressed so far. Clearly this question is for you. Because I'm going to oh, tell yeah. you what, because I've been married for like 18 years. So if I'm on any online dating apps, I'm literally committing adultery right now. So I'm, this question is for you're you. Not, you're not on cougar.com right now trying to I, get, a, you know, a milf or what? Come is on. that a real thing? Yes, it is. And I, I will I will admit that I one time drunkenly, this is like seven, eight years ago, I did sign up for it. And it was, it was bullshit. It was all spam, like fake accounts everywhere. And I was like, what is this? And then I canceled it like the next day. So I did, I did. <laughs> Get off of that once. I was in the mood. I was like, you know what? I want to date an older woman. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was terrible. Don't go on it. Uh, okay, so I'll handle this. You may have to say the second question because I already forgot. But the first question, the worst dating experience. I've probably gone on a hundred or so online dates since I've been in New York City, at least. Wow. Like, and I'm yes, it's it's a very long list, and you know, I'm not I'm not exactly proud of it. Uh, I have not had too many horrible instances, but the one that I will say, and I have probably two or three. So if Thad's listening, he can ask this question the next time we do a, 
online bag. Like, what was your second worst dating experience? The first one I'll say was I went on a date with this girl. And at this time, I used to have this first date policy. I would be like, okay, look, I'm going to take the girl off for drinks and food. Like, we're going to get food. Like, we're going to sit down, have a nice dinner, get some drinks. Great. It's going to be a little bit more costly. And I'll get into why, you know, why it's changed, but whatever. But I'm going to do that. And this girl, we got Thai food. She seemed very nice at first. And then during our meal, I don't know how this got brought up, but she started talking to me about how the government and, and like, the communists in Russia are spying on us right now as we speak. Like, there's microphones in the kitchen. There's microphones under this plate. You don't know. Like, basically all this paranoia shit to me about how we're just being spied on as we speak at this Thai restaurant. Like they're, they're listening to our conversation about like, where are we, where are we from and what are our interests? Like they're listening. It was just completely weird. I was like, what are you talking about? Like it was, it was bad. And that was the last time I decided for a first date, I was going to take anyone out for, for, for food for that. For Now when I say that, that's like, okay, Hey, we could be at a bar. We're getting drinks at the bar. Maybe they have like a menu there, but there was no more, Hey, we're going to go get table for two, sit down, you know, appetizer, dinner, dessert, drinks, like F that. I was like, cause like at that point you're like, this is a waste of my time. This is a waste of my bill. I'm about to spend 90, 80 bucks on like, you know, and I like to eat when I go out. I'm not going there to have like a freaking salad. I'm going out there to go like two appetizers. Let's get some food. Let's get fat, you know? And, and for that, for her to just kind of like go into like, we're being watched by everyone. Like the, the like the mic we're we're being mic'd. Right now, while we're eating, you know, they're after us. Like, this paranoia delusional. I was like, what? I was like, like, this is crazy. This is something, <laughs> you, that you, this is something that you would not say on a first date. Like, say to me on the fifth date that you think that everyone's trying to get us or anything like that. Like, Trump's spying on us right now. Like, say on the fifth date. Maybe I'm like, okay, hey, I, I, you know, that I, there's a, a bunch of positives already for you. But, yeah, that was pretty weird. And, yeah, there was definitely not a follow-up text from me to her. <laughs> I'll tell you what, a real quick anecdote here. I actually, if you go, if you only count AOL, this was before what with Tinder and all these dating apps that are out there. If you want to consider AOL a dating app way back in the day, I'm talking like over 20 years, obviously. Now I met a girl and this was during the, during the stages of AOL. And I don't know how many people out there listening to you were ever on AOL in the chat rooms, but I met somebody on there and back at this time, well, it, it used to be very rare for somebody to have a photo. Like most people did not have pics because this was dial up speed. So, you know, downloading a pic or uploading a pic would take forever. Anyway, I talked to this girl online. I think we might've eventually had a phone conversation. She lived in Toronto, a good two hours away. So me, and actually ironically, Tone Bucks, my boy, you know, Tone, he's been on the podcast many times. I met her in Toronto and I had these hopes and dreams. This was the, literally the first online date that I ever had. Not the worst, but the first. And uh, went all the way to Toronto and dude, not good. <laughs> not good. What was, what she was, was not, on? she was, I don't even remember her name. She was very unattractive. I'm going to be very nice. All right. I'm just going to say that extremely unattractive. Me and Tone Fox ended up at her house, her parents' house, watching hockey night in Canada on a Saturday night. Could not get out of there fast. I think I might've ended up kissing her anyway, though. I think I got drunk that night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with the game, Jesus. Oh, but wow. yeah, but did, uh, you, did you, did you message her afterwards or you just kissed yeah, her? I, I think I might've talked to her once or twice, but you obviously liar. not you ghosted her. No, dude. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't immediately ghost her, but wasn't long after that. But yeah, that's probably my one and only online dating, or at least the only one that I'll share with you. I haven't I had any in at least 20 years. So 
Yeah, I definitely did the AOL chat rooms back in like the early 2000s. I definitely met some girls in Buffalo off there. Um, Do, you know. I made <laughs> that a thing. I made it into a thing. I was a bartender like in the mid to late 90s for 15 years. And I kind of took a, a divey dump bar in Chictawaga and made it an AOL hangout. Like there was always AOL no, chat room. So I had a, I bartended on Friday nights. It was very popular. I used to get anywhere from 50 to 100 people from AOL in my bar every single Friday night socializing with each other. A lot of fun. Anyway, let's, yeah. let's move on as I take a stroll down memory lane here. Uh, Greg Thompson, my man from Cover One, says, what's worse, beer or tequila? Is that a serious question? What's your answer? I don't know. But wait, I want to go back, though. I'm sorry. You're going to probably cut some of this out because Thad had the second question, which I'm going to answer about online hey, Oh, dating. okay. I'll, I'm sorry. Before I get to Greg, he asked what you would change about how online dating works, if you would change anything, would you? Yes. First and foremost, I would have an app where you can give re- give reviews to someone who dated, like you dated. And it would have, because like when you go on all these dates, like I have, I've gone on like a hundred. Girls have it worse than guys. Okay. I'll, I'll admit that. Like I've, they, we always, sometimes you have that conversation, like what was your worst online dating experience? And I've had like three, maybe out of a hundred. I've heard girls just give copious amounts of details about, a guy who came out was DTF, you know, let's get down, all this sort of stuff. Like, what if you did an app, dating app where you gave reviews? Like, Yelp. Like, hey, this guy was nice, good looking, just didn't work out, but I would recommend to a friend. They kind of like do like a little star rating. So like people could see like, okay, like this guy, it will give guys on better behavior. You know, if you're, if you're one of those people who think like yeah. a guy is going to go out and and like, you know, he's going to be like, okay, let's go back to my place right now or whatever the case may be. Or even looks. People... Do look word of advice to anyone who does online dating. If you have someone in pics and they're doing the aerial shot, which is like you're doing the, sh- the cameras in the air, kind of like you're doing it like a selfie. Yeah. Beware because when you do it that way, you look a lot thinner always than you do. If you do it in the, in like a stationary eye level right. thing, yep. that's why you got to make sure there's an eye level camera and there's like a full on like body shot. And I'm not, I'm guilty of that. Like I take photos like selfie style. Like you, you do have like one, I'll I'll have a body shot to be. Yeah, we all do because we all, it hides our chins. That's a pro, (laughs) that's a pro tip, bro. That's a pro tip right there. Yeah. And then, so like, that's where you have to, and I I, I say that because that could go into my, my second worst dating story with the, with the aerial shot, because that's what happened. So that's what, you know, you have to always watch out. But I would definitely say like, well, we'll make online dating better or a new, a nuance to it do reviews. And I think that would help. And I also think, you know, online dating is weird, man. It's like one of those things where I have this conversation all the time on like dates and, you know, you always talk about it. Like it, it, you know, back in the day, you know, you would probably, you know, you're a little bit older. It's like, you would go up to a girl at, at like a bar and go, Hey, how you doing? Can I buy your drink or something like that? I think it kind of has online dating has eliminated that, like that whole thing, because I'm not, I was never that guy who could go up to a girl sober and say, Hey, can I have, you know, can I buy you a drink or, or anything like that? I just couldn't do it. Now, if I was drunk, I could do that. And now with like online dating, it just sets it up to where, Oh, Hey, like we're just going to meet, it's going to be stationary, but also it puts so many people, especially in where I live in New York city. It's just a lot of people here. You know, there's a lot of single people. It does have that sort of, that sort of like, Hey, it's so many people to, to go where you may like someone, you may go through the check marks. Like, okay, yeah, he's got a good job or, you know, he or she is good looking, good family. But you know what? I think I could do better because I can go on another date tomorrow. You know what I mean? And find someone better. 
So I think it kind of waters it down to where you're kind of always looking for a better, a better way to date someone. And I think that's, that's what kind of sucks about online dating. I feel it makes you go, okay, I'm just gonna go back to the, back to the drawing board because I just could just, I can just sit on my toilet or sit at lunch and just, you know, swipe left, swipe left, wrap and like f- have a date in five minutes rather than going to a bar with friends and like doing like the old school, you know, pick up a, you know, get a girl's number at the bar or at the gym or whatever the hell the people used to do. Well, since you know, this is kind of, kind of, let me ask you this, since this is kind of turned into an online dating podcast episode at this point, I don't know how these apps work, but do you find out a lot about somebody before you meet them? Like for an example, if I meet somebody on Twitter, let's just say I never heard of this person, but you put out a tweet and some girl responds to you and I happen to look at her mention. I'm like, whoa, this girl's look kind of cute. So I click her profile. Maybe I might shoot her a DM. Maybe I start a conversation and end up knowing a lot about her or say ditto with Facebook or somebody comments with these dating apps. Do you know a lot about them before you meet them? Or is it like, you know, you know what they look like. You might know their name or something yeah. like that, but so, you don't know anything. How does that work? So I'm on four dating apps. I'm on Bumble. I'm on Tinder. I'm on Hinge. I'm on OkCupid. OkCupid has been around since 2014. That's like the DTF website. Like you're on there to, that's what it's become. Like you're just, do you know what DTF stands for? I hope I don't. You do not. Oh my God, Pat. Get old. You're so old. Uh, DTF <laughs> stands for down to fuck. Okay. Oh. So that's basically, okay. Okay. Cupid is like, you're definitely going to your DTF kind of, gotcha. in a way, I would say like 60% of that is what it is now. That website used to be like, you would have 50 questions that you can answer. Like when's the ideal time you would ha- hook up with someone? Are you into oral? Are you into what kind of foods? Like you would have like 50 questions on someone's profile for you to answer. Okay. So that's where you can get a lot of information from, from Bumble, Tinder, and Hinge. There's quick bios, like your interests, your dislikes, maybe a hundred, 200 words. Now for me personally, I usually will do this. I go, Hey, you match or whatever. You're like, Hey, how's it going? Great. Where are you from? What do you do for work? What do you do for fun? And then I go, let's have a drink. That's all I do. Like I'm not into having like a pen pal relationship on the message shit. Like, it's just like, okay, you're cute. You don't seem crazy. Four or five questions. All right. What are you doing this week? Like, that's how I, that's how I do it. I know from talking to other people from like when I go on my dates, cause I guess I do survey girls when we talk about online dating, like there's a lot of this whole, you go back and forth for like a week on texting. And that's the other thing, man, like with messaging, like people don't talk on the phone anymore, man. That is the craziest thing to me. Like AOL, I would at least like talk to the person, like you know, that, that chat room crap you were mentioning. You would talk to the person on the phone and get an interest to them maybe. And at least I did. When you do this, I never talked to them like prior to it. I'm just like, oh, hey, like texting, that's it. And you're like, I'll meet you here. Like there is no conversation at all. So yeah, there, that's how it goes. So I know a little bit prior to it, the profiles don't say too much, just a couple of like, like 200 words. That's kind of it. And then you're like judging on pictures and that's it. Let's fly through a few more of these to wrap up. Like I said, Greg Thompson, cover one, ask you what's worse, beer or tequila? Yeah, I don't know what the freak Craig is talking about. Both of those drinks are awesome. I I completely disagree. Is he trolling us? I don't know. He's he's trolling you. Maybe he ain't trolling me. I hate tequila. I love beer, obviously. I don't like tequila. Dude, there's two two, uh, liquors out there that I cannot drink. Tequila's one of them and Southern's the other one. And you know me back in the day, especially, I was always drunk. 
You you know this. You see my Facebook. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll drink Crown. I'll drink Crown for days. I'll drink vodka oh. for days. I'll drink Jameson for days. But if you give me two shots of tequila, even on a full stomach, if I'm sober, I feel like I'm going to be ready to puke. Get over su Southern Comfort too. It's too sweet for me. I hate it. Oh God, no! I like tequila. I mean, tequila is like the the that's a DTF drink, man. Like you got two, three of those in there, you're like feeling good, and you're you're ready to conquer the world. I, I like tequila. I mean, I'm not a big shot guy. Think about shots is like it used to be that thing. Like I would do that all the time in college. Like I would do Crown and just like I don't even know what else, Jack, and you know, you just wanted to get you know shit faced basically. But now I'm 40 and I'm just like, yeah, I want to taste my drink. I want the, the drink to taste good. And I cannot think of any shots that taste good. So I kind of avoid shots. Even tequila. Like tequila, I do it because tequila just feels good afterwards. You kind of have like that really cool buzz. You know, I don't know. It's a different buzz than say if you're doing, I don't know, shots of Jack or whatever. But uh, I, tequila, I would say, is a top three shot for me. But again, I don't drink too many shots. But beer is great. I don't know what the hell cover one people are talking about over there. What the, what the hell yeah, is wrong that's, with them? That, that's horrible, Greg. You're better than that. <laughs> All yeah, right. Greg. At, at he makes good steaks, though. I'll give him that. He <laughs> steaks. Go ahead. At Katie Carlson, 15. Air your grievances of One Bill's Live and John Murphy. Scorched Earth. How about you air one of them? Because I don't want to be here until next Tuesday. Um, because if yeah, you get going on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. He's just terrible. Look, I do John Murphy memes all the time. Because yeah, you do. It's not, not to just be funny, but I just think that that show is horrible. It's, 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 it's Hannity meets... Rachel Maddow, if you want to like call it like in terms of like your political takes, it's just it's just terrible. It's fake news. It's propaganda. Uh, the only thing that John Murphy has is that his show that does good is they have pretty decent guests. Like they get a lot of national guys on there, but for the most part, they're they're there to control the narrative. And I mean, Russ Brandon got fired once, and the next day they didn't even talk about Russ Brandon on the show. Like that's just all that's just all you need to know. And my my other favorite story about them was the one time. They were putting they were putting over how great Sammy Watkins was in training camp and like oh he's gonna be great this year he had the Julio Jones injury and then Sammy Watkins gets traded that same day and it just flipped like total heel turn like yeah he had these injury prone he was injury prone we had to get rid of him he was bad he wasn't in shape it's just like come on like give me a break they're they're terrible so move on yeah I don't really watch it so I don't have much to offer I do know that they're run by the Bills and it's pretty obvious uh. I don't have the name attached to this one, but someone said, if you could live anywhere else rather than your hometown or where you live now, where would it be? If you had to live somewhere else, you can't live in New York City or Buffalo, though. Where, where would you want to live? London. Really? Yes. I, I don't know why. London is kind of a mystery to me. I, I could go there and do my television career, which would be because they have a lot of reality TV over there. It's I don't I hate having a car and London has a pretty, pretty decent uh you know, transit system. So I would enjoy that. Uh, the idea of, of like fishing chips and pubs everywhere. I, I like it. I, I would, I would move to London. Well, for me, I, I obviously can't say Buffalo. That's my hometown in Florida is my current residence. So I, I actually, I would say where you live in, I would love to live oh. in New York. I'd love to live in New York city. I'll say this though. I'm starting to like Florida a lot more now. I am slowly, but surely I am. I hated Florida the first I don't know, a couple of years. In fact, as recently as a few months, I'm starting to meet more people and do more things down here. And the weather is good. I mean, there's no lack of things to do in Florida. I've just, I've been homesick, but I think I'm starting to get over that a little bit more. Anyway, moving on. I had some questions. Why don't you come visit me? You could stay with me. You can hang out in New York if you want. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. Couch. I'm going to tell you why. I haven't been to New uh -oh. York City since I moved to Florida. And the reason why 
is because the downside of living in Florida and still being very close to people in Buffalo, your family and your best friends, is that every single time you get vacation time or every single time you, you save up money, it's always to go back to Buffalo. That is absolutely, I hate it. But that's we're the way it in is. The same, we're in the same boat. I mean, that's exactly me. When I go back for vacation, I go back to see, you, see my family. Yep. Yep. Go to, yeah. And yeah, that's how, how it is. So anyway, move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, this is a non-Twitter question. Actually, John Scott brought, this isn't somebody said it into us. John Scott from Spectrum brought this up on Twitter. So I wanted to actually ask you this too. Your first ever concert. Do you remember your first ever concert? Oh, God. Yes, it was horrible. I hate concerts. Not a big concert guy. I went to Green Day in Rancid, 1994, and I just, I did not understand the whole concept of moshing, crowd surfing. I, like, got trampled on a few times. I remember I was with my sister, who's, like, five foot. She was miserable, and it just completely gave me a terrible viewpoint of concerts. And that was the last concert I went to. First and last. Wow. The end. This yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna show my age here. You might not even know who this band is, but Loverboy in the early to mid 80s, hard rock slash I don't want to call them metal. They were a hard rock band. I went to I re, sort of remember seeing them. I don't know if that was my first. I haven't been to a lot of concerts either. Dude, when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to do shit. About the only thing I can remember consistently doing as a kid was going to the yard every month for WWF wrestling shows. Because back in those days, this was before Monday Night Raw and shit. Wrestling used to come to Buffalo every month. So my father would take me and I went, like I said, several times a year. But besides that, yeah, I didn't do shit, man. All right, last couple (laughs) here. Actually, I got some questions to ask about The Office, uh, but you've never watched it. Why not? I got to ask that. It's a very popular show. Why haven't you watched it? Now, The Office is a comedy, correct? Yes. Well, yeah, it, it's a very, it's a comedy for sure. At the end it, of the day, you laugh. Okay. Yes. Right? You laugh more than you okay. cry. Yes. I don't know what it is. I don't watch too many comedies, like movies or even shows. I just don't watch that many comedies. It never it resonates with me. Like, oh, I got to watch this comedy. Like, if you would ask me, like, t- in today, like, today, like, who's my favorite comedian, like, to watch their movies, I don't even have one, really. Like, I have, like, I think of like the nineties and like the eighties, I did like comedies more. Like I liked Chris Farley. He was funny. And you know, Eddie Murphy would do funny comedies and all this sort of stuff. And now I don't even, it just, just doesn't register with me. I don't know why I should probably open up my comedy vault in terms of watching movies or comedies. I just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't register because I don't know. Part of it is I'm fucking hilarious. I can make myself laugh and it's hard. I have a very high, you know, tolerance in terms of laughing because it's like i'm like you gotta make me laugh and i'm i feel i'm better at entertainment and that's that's just me telling you like i can make myself laugh i can make myself laugh in situations with other people so i'm like i'm gonna pay you know 14 15 dollars to like watch a movie or waste time to, to have maybe like one or two laughs during a half hour show or an hour and a half i could i could get more laughs by myself with other people than the, those comedies can because you you know you watch movies to live vicariously through those people i don't have to live vicariously through, you know, that what, who's the guy, the guy in the office. I forgot his name. Steve Carell. Dark hair guy. Steve, Steve Carell. I don't, I don't have to live through vicariously through Steve Carell to make all these jokes. Cause I'm funny. Well, I'm funnier than him. It's the not, him. it's Go not ahead. just funny, man. It, 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 it's uh there's a lot of romance to it. There's a lot of arcing storylines that, uh, really make it fun. So check that shit out. Let's get to the last one here. Okay. Dave Buchanan at fast track 55 or five fifty. He says, I like this one. If you had to book WrestleMania with Buffalo media personalities, what would your card look like? Ah, wow. That's how we're going to end it. This is going to be the last one. So 
We had a couple other ones you didn't want to ask, but it's do, fine. We can do you want to, that. Do you want to do this collectively? Do you want to go on now? Go. Or you want to do this collectively? Here's my one no. rule for this, though. Okay. Sure. Buffalo sure. Sports Me. Bradley Gelber has to be on the undercard. He's not on the main show. Uh, oh man, you you know you and you and Gel. I want you and Gelber to go at it. Uh, that's, that's what that, I want. No, that, that's I not even. A, that, it doesn't even count. Come, Come on, dude. That'd be like Rey Mysterio versus like Big John Stud over here, dude. That would be great. Get I want. I want to see that. He's not. He's okay. not on the show. He's on the undercard. But anyway, he's your boy. What? I'm surprised he's even on the show. Okay, go ahead. Well, he's on the undercard. That's what I said. But that the undercard is like that's a show, right? I mean, the, come on, the WrestleMania pre-show. That's like the undercard now. Like uh, he he made it, dude. You 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 put you put Gelber over just now without <laughs> you even knowing that. Dude. Well, I got three matches. And then I also got two battle worlds because we got to get everybody on the card. You know what I'm saying? So the, sure. what's the right, easiest? Give me, give me your three. Give me your three matches. I want your three matches, and I'll and I'll counter with mine. All right. Well, my three matches would be. I, this is a more recent one, so it would be Warrell against Nate Gary, like you said, mm-hmm. the old school against the new school. Um, they've been going at it pretty consistently, and like I said, Nate goes right back at him. I'm trying to think of a wrestling comparison. John Warrell, kind of the old guy. Who's like an old guy that could go against a younger guy, like a Ramus, like a Ray Mysterio against I don't know one of these new cruiserweights. I can't even think of their goddamn names. I thought <laughs> well, it, it will be Ray Mysterio versus Estrada. There basically. you go. There you go. There that, you go. Yeah, that, that's so what I that, that was... I got. That one, and then <laughs> the other one I would go is uh, this would be an older one, Howard Simon against Bucky Gleason. To me, that's like Sting versus Triple H. Like that match should have happened a decade ago. Like, right, but there's there's no beef in that. Oh no, they they didn't have an old school beef though. Like you have to have beef if you're gonna do like the media. You have to have a, a well. There was a, there was a, there was a beef. I mean, Bucky went off, and I think it might have been a column no. or his show about yes. w, about the tank. And Howard went. Howard had a very rare rant. I remember it very well. I don't remember, I remember how well. he told him to, he was like, "Screw you, Bucky." Screw yeah, you. screw I, you, Bucky. That was great. That I should have got. Great, I sh- yeah, that, that was a great rival. That's you a, have Howard back on the podcast and ask him about that. Two good like, names. <laughs> Two good names right now. Right. That would be a good match. However, again, they're both old, past their prime. That's like Sting and Triple H. That match should have happened a long time ago, but it only happened a few years ago. So those sure, are two of my sure. three. What do you, should I go right to my main event or do yeah, you want? Yeah, go to your main event. I, I mean, I have a feeling I know what your main event is. Well, actually, be, no, far. I got a twist, man. So my main event's oh. a tag team match. Okay, we're oh. going like back WrestleMania 1 style, tag team main event. Sure. Got Harrington and Vic Carucci against, <laughs> against Tim Graham and a mystery opponent. And wow. I, I, let's just say that mystery opponent is going to turn out to be John Vogel. Okay. So there's a tag team match and uh, guess how it ends. I'm going to tell you how it ends. How does it end? It ends with interference from oh. a shockingly returning Mike Rodak, who has an athletic t-shirt on. Mike Rodak interferes in the match, joins the athletic, Tim Graham and Vogel win in the main event due to outside interference. That, no, you see, that's not how you book it. You would book it where he comes in with the athletic shirt, but then he turns on the athletic uh, because the athletic, the athletic didn't hire him to go work for them when he thought they were bored uh, with Tim Graham, and he joins the Buffalo News. That's how you book that finish right there. Bro. God damn it, I blew it. You're 100% right. That's how you do it. You got to have a swerve, bro. Uh, oh, God, you said you got to have a swerve, bro. Like, I'm a swerve, bro. <laughs> anyway. Okay, those I, I like that. Okay, first and foremost, the, the hell with the tag team. I'm going Harrington versus Graham. That is the main event. That has been the main event that's been like three years waiting to happen. I mean, it's it's one of those matches where it's it's you know how they have that stipulation where you can't touch the opponent for like 90 days until the main event. Right. That's yeah. Harrington. 
that's Harrington right now. Because Harrington <laughs> doesn't tweet about Graham. He doesn't say anything about him. He, you know, and he can't or whatever you want to believe. But like that would be like the stipulation. That that that's the stipulation right there. Like Gra- Harrington's been ready for like two years. He's gonna get his hands on Graham finally. <laughs> like that would be that would be the matchup. Like right there. The second one, I'm doing Sully and Jeremy White. Like those two used to hate each other uh, when they did radio together, and they that was that was like. You know, maybe it was a little bit contrived, but I thought that was fun. I would love to see kind of like a 10 years later, they're finally back in the ring. Like after they haven't talked to each other or whatever in a while, you got to go with those two. And then the third match I'm going to get, I'm going to get Joe Biscaglia versus Sal Capaccio. You know, no one ever, you know, everyone likes those two. No one ever, no one, no one bashes them. So that's like the ultimate warrior versus Hulk Hogan, WrestleMania six. That's what we have. there. Good guy versus good guy. Yeah. I like that too. Good fight. Good guy. Both used to work at GR. Both used to be the sideline reporters. You know, you got the, that. It's, a, it's the whole Hogan warrior thing right there. And then, then they do the cross ropes thing at the end. Those are my three matches. And, you know, I think, I think Joe B wins that he's got the length on, he's got the youth and he's got the length on Sal, you know, sorry, Sal. I know he's a tough, he's a, he's been a tough mutter before, uh, you know, but I, I gotta go with Joe there a little bit, you know, the, the battle of the Paisans, the battle of the Italians, I gotta go Harrington over Graham. Like, I think Harrington is just a caged beast. Like he's he's gonna run out that door like he's crazy and has been waiting for years to get you know to get on to get on Graham. I do worry about outside interference because Graham has way has more Twitter he has more friends in the media than Harrington probably does. And then uh, I already forgot what I was the middle match, but uh, we'll we'll do a no DQ no contest for the middle match because I already forgot what that. Oh, the Jeremy versus Sully one. I would say. Yeah, no contest. No one wins in that match. They they just they 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 there's a DQ and they do, they do another feud down the road. So there you go. That's my that's my media. We have to right have there. something with women, though, dude. I don't want to be accused of being an all male show and being a little sexist here. So we got to have something with the women. The only thing I can come up with is a battle world because there's no beef among any of uh, the women in the Buffalo sports media. So it's just got to be a straight battle royal. So pick your winner. I I'm gonna go Heather Prusak, WGRZ. That's my girl, man. I I think she'll win. Maybe maybe at the end, John Scott will come out her fiance and he'll he'll cheat and do something to help her win. But I'm gonna go with um, who the hell am I gonna go with? I don't even know. There's not many women in the Buffalo media, which is that's a, that's a podcast on itself right now uh, that we can do. Uh, the the Lindsay, I forgot her last name. It's a, it's Lindsay Diarcajo from the from the Athletic. Lindsay. Yes, I put I'm putting her in there. I like how she writes. I actually dig her style. I'm putting her in there so just because of that. All right. Our imagination's definitely running wild. And I'll tell you what, we got some pretty cool stuff coming up when I have you on the podcast over the next several weeks. We'll get into that soon enough. But as always, segment ends same way. Joe hit off. You got your finisher, the running with Joe. What's your finisher? Um, I'm going to make this short and sweet. Someone in Congress, someone in the government needs to come up with a rule, a law, an amendment, whatever. I'm not history and government guy that says that if you want to run for president, you have to either be a former governor or a former senator. I'm done. This isn't about the asshole in the, in the, in the office right now because he had zero political experience. I don't want mayors. I don't want celebrities. I don't want reality TV stars to be running for presidency. You have to have experience if you want to be a president, whether you're a governor or whether you're a senator, you have to have experience overseeing a state. Enough of this. I don't care. I love The Rock. I don't need The Rock to be running for president. Oprah's great. I do not need her to be running for president. I don't want any more. And mayors. I don't want mayors ever again. Okay, no offense to Mayor Pete. 
I don't know where the hell South Bend is in Indiana or where even Indiana is. So no, no more mayors, no more reality stars, no more rich people running for office. If you want to be in the office, if you want to be the president, you have to have a governor. You have to be a governor or a senator. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for today. Very big thank you again, my man Joe. Buffalo wins on Twitter. Always a colorful segment whenever I have Joe on. He always brings it. Love having him on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Joe. So before I get up out of here, I want to ask that if you have not yet done so already, please go ahead, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe, rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really really helps me continue to grow this podcast. You can subscribe, listen on Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, pretty much everywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Also, go hit up the Moranalytics Podcast YouTube channel. I got podcast highlight clips from current and past shows up there, some original audio content as well, stuff that's exclusive to that channel, by the way. Not going to hear it anywhere else, including this podcast. Then last but not least, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. I'm constantly tweeting out podcast updates, upcoming guests, polls, prize pack giveaways from time to time, thoughts, banning with other sports fans. I mean, that's where I'm parked. I'm always on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. Thanks again so much for listening. I say it all the time and I really, truly mean it. I appreciate each and every single person out there. Whether you love the podcast or whether you hate it, you're taking time from your day to give me a listen when there's like a gazillion other podcasts out there. Can't tell you how much that means to me. Very humble, very grateful. So thank you very much. Have a good one. And I'll be back. New episode real soon. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.